to start off today's message by playing a video that I had come across yesterday when I was just relaxing after prayer. And I feel that this video will set the tone for today's message. How many know what those guys are going through is unimaginable? My uh, mother and I, my family, we lost my nephew, which is my mother's grandma, uh, uh, grandson. Will you turn on that light for me? He died in Afghanistan. And we have friends here in the ministry that are also in, in this war. Uh, David is here. Let's give a hand clap for David, what he does for us. And you look at what these men are going through, you're seeing that they're suffering, that they're in the midst of what would be absolutely horrific for all of us to go through. And what they want to do is hold on to a piece of home. They want to hold on to something that will remind them of better times, something that will remind them not to give up. A lot of them said luck. A lot of them looked to relatives that had passed away to be with them. Now, those are things as Christians, no matter how sincere those people are, we know that that cannot be true. But the heart yearns for hope in the midst of hopeless situations. I know that when Ricky and I went to India, something that kept me comforted in the midst of all the things we went through was having my cell phone and Nancy sending me pictures of Bethany. That would remind me of home and made me feel comfortable no matter where I was and what I was going through, that I had a family that was praying for me. But I want to talk to you today about someone that can be with you everywhere you go. I want to talk to you today about someone who will never leave you nor forsake you. And He will guide you, protect you, and even go beyond that, He will comfort you. Today's message is called, My Comforter. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 4 as we begin to talk today about My Comforter. As you're going to John chapter 14, I want you to turn first to Matthew chapter 28 because we want to get a text to go from and then all what we're going to say mostly is going to be found in John 14. So just turn to Matthew 28 first. As I teach today about my comforter. Here's one of our favorite scriptures at Metro Praise, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. When the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the part we always focus on in Metro Praise. But let me give you another focus right here. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus promised to always be with you. He promised to always be with me. Isn't that exciting? That means that that young man who said, My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is with me. God is with him even if he doesn't have that cross. God is with us even without wearing crosses. Listen, God promised he would be there with his disciples. But have you ever wondered how Jesus is with us? I don't see Jesus right here. You know, I'm not playing make-believe. I'm not saying, hello, meet my make-believe friend Jesus. I'm not saying that Jesus hangs out with Peter Pan and their buddies. Is that what Jesus is to you, make-believe? 
No, is Jesus just good luck? Like some people have statues of St. Michael, St. this, they put him in their car, they kiss it, this is good luck. Is that what Jesus is to us? No, Jesus has to be so much more than that. But how does He keep His promise to always be with us? Have you ever wondered that? Because we don't see physical Jesus right here. We can't slap Him a high five. And they were seeing Jesus. The eleven disciples were looking at Him. Jesus was on the earth for a time. He had come down in the form of man, lived 30 years, did ministry for three years. Then He was crucified on the cross, buried for three days, rose again on the third day. And here He's talking to them. And he He's saying, hey, here I am. I'm here. They're worshiping Him. Some are still doubting. And then He tells them, you need to go and fight and and make disciples. Go out there into the world, fight evil. And then what does He say to them? I'm going to be with you. Now, how many know that that might seem like a contradiction when you look at Acts chapter 1? Everybody go to Acts chapter 1. Trust me, we'll get to John in just a little bit, but I I want you to see this first. I, I just feel that Some of you don't understand that there might even seem to be a contradiction here. Acts chapter 1 is the beginning of the church. Jesus is with them. He's talking to them. He's saying, do not go uh, from Jerusalem till you receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the days and times the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here, Jesus is having his last talk with them. And now look what happens. Look right here. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus just said, hey, you're going to go into all the world. You're going to be my witnesses. And lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Uh, okay. Uh, what, what happened here? Well, we haven't even got to Judea yet. You're already gone. We're about ready to get murdered. They just killed you. You raised from the dead. Now you're going to heaven? We're left down here with the Romans. We're left down here with the Jews. Come on, Jesus. And you can just see them looking up in the sky going, no, not like this. Oh, Lord, help us. Look at verse uh, verse 10. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. They're like, Okay, when are you coming back? We're ready. That's what they were thinking. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen Him go into heaven. So these angels come and say, Hey guys, you've got a lot of work to do. And yeah, Jesus will come back. He'll come back on the clouds. That's how we know the Puerto Rican Jesus is not Jesus. That's how we know Reverend Sung Young Moon is not Jesus. All these other phony balonies, we know they're not Jesus because they didn't come down floating on a cloud for all of us to see. Amen? And that's how the Bible says Jesus is coming back. Well, hold on, ameners. Do we have a contradiction here? Jesus just told them, I'm going to be with you always. He said to the very end of the age, now he goes away. And now angels say, he's not coming back until it's all done. Well, did he break his word? I want you to turn with me now to John chapter 14 and learn about the Comforter. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said in Matthew chapter 8, uh, 28, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So how can God be with us? 
How can Jesus be with us when He is not here? And if we read further along in the book of Acts, we see exactly where Jesus is right now. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Well, let's see if there's a contradiction or maybe just a misunderstanding. And maybe we need to understand the Holy Spirit more and who is He. Look at John chapter 14, verse 15. This is now before Jesus had been crucified. He's giving them a lesson. He's teaching them. Verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that where I am you may also be. Look at what Jesus is promising them. He says, I need to go to prepare a place for you. So the first thing that we learn is that our home is not this earth. Those soldiers know that Afghanistan is not their home. And so what do they keep with them to remind them that this is not their home? A little rock with a B on it and it said, be yourself. A little picture of their girlfriend. A little cell phone. What did Jesus leave us to know that He would come back for us one day and that this was not our home and that if we didn't give up, we would be home with Him one day? What did He leave us? Some of you are already going there. The Holy Spirit. Look at verse 15 of chapter 14 of John. If you love Me, you will obey what I have commanded you. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. You see, what you learn right here, highlight the word another, in the Greek is elion. And that Greek word means another of the same kind. You see, what Jesus is teaching us, and He says it actually in this passage, hey, if you've seen the Father, you've seen Me, because we're one. And then now he goes on to say, he says, now where the Holy Spirit is, that's where I am. That's where the Father is. And He'll be with you forever. You see, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three persons of the Trinity are inseparable. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. They're separate persons, but they are one God. They are one God, and they themselves are inseparable. So where Jesus is, there's the Father with Him. And where the Holy Spirit is, there is Jesus with the Father. Keep going. He says, the Spirit of truth, verse 17, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Why is it today people don't have the Holy Spirit with them? Because they have to see it to believe it, right? I have to see God to believe in God. Do you see gravity? Einstein, come on. Do you believe in that one? <laughs> if you don't, let's take you to the top of the building and let's see what, if, if we can make a believer out of you. Hello? You see, the Bible says they don't see Him, so they don't receive it. The world does not receive Him. Verse 18. Uh, rather, the, the, the second part of 17. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be where? In you. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. How does He come? Through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, But before long the world will not see Me, but you will see Me. Because I live, you also will live. My Comforter. Go on now to chapter 16. Go to chapter 
Uh, well, rather, let's finish in uh, chapter 14. Let me show you a few more. Go to verse 25. I wish I had time to read all of these things. Uh, chapter 14, verse 25. All these things I've spoken to you while being with you. Verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Look at what he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. He'll bring them peace. He'll teach them all things. Now go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth. Well, first of all, go to verse 5. Get the context. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. How many know now the disciples would be a little sad because Jesus is telling them he's leaving? Jesus is saying, hey guys, I'm going to be with you always. We're going to hang out and have a good time. But by the way, I am leaving. Not only are they a little confused, they're also hurt on the inside. They're saying, Jesus, you can't leave. Jesus, you have to stay here with us. You have to be right here. When I have a problem, I have to come to you. When I'm going through a storm in life, I want you to calm the storms. When I'm sick or my mother's sick, i got to bring her to you. Jesus, you can't leave. Verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. You see, God is promising that He will send us His Spirit. And He's teaching us. And I just don't have enough time to go through every verse upon verse. But take time this week to learn from John 14, 15, and 16 the relationship that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have with each other. This relationship is inseparable. And each one working together. For example, the Father sends the Son. The Son comes from the Father, lays down His life. Then He goes back to the Father, and from the Father and the Son, the Spirit comes. And yet, where the Spirit is, the Father is, and there is Jesus. I'm going to teach you that a little bit more. But keep following what Jesus is saying. He teaches now that the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict of sin, righteousness, and of judgment for the world. But keep going in verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what is He hears, and He will tell you what is to come. He will bring glory to Me by taking from what is Mine and making it known to you. So where does the Holy Spirit get all of His power? From Jesus. Where does the Holy Spirit get all of His knowledge? From Jesus. Where does the Holy Spirit get that from? From Jesus. And He gives it to us and gives glory to Jesus. Now look at verse 15. Look at the relationship now with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. All that belongs to the Father is mine. So the Son is saying everything that the Father has is mine. How many know if I have everything Bill Gates has, I'm a rich man? People doubt that Jesus ever said that He was God or claimed His divinity. You can't get any more clear than that. If I told you I have everything that God has, how many knows I just made a claim that I'm God? That there's no other way to look at it. So either Jesus was nuts and loony and needed to be put into a loony bed, or he actually has everything the Father has. That's what he said. I believe it. Do you believe it? Say amen. amen. All that belongs to the Father is mine. 
Now where's the Spirit come in? Father, Son, there we go. It's mine. Father, Son, there we go. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Woo! Come on, somebody. Look at this relationship going on between the Father and the Son. Father, uh, Father says, Son, I want to give you everything I got. Son says, Okay, Father, I'll receive everything you got. Then he says to the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you everything I got from the Father. And the Holy Ghost goes, That's awesome. Now what do I do with all this? He says, Now give it to everybody down here. Give it to the people of God. Give it to my children. Praise the Lord. Verse 16, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a while you will see me. How? The Holy Spirit. Oh, keep going. Somebody somebody say, my comforter. Keep going. Look at uh, chapter 16, verse 17. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean? In a little while you will see me no more. Then after a little while you will see me because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking this. What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. So once again, they keep thinking that the only way they can see Jesus is by him coming back in Armageddon, the second return. That's why when he went up in the clouds, they still did not get it. They're looking up. They're going, when are you coming? You said that you're going to show yourself to us. And, and, and the angels say, yes, he's going to come in 2,000 years, but you're going to see him on the day of Pentecost come with tongues of fire. A wind, hallelujah. And Jesus continues to teach them. Go on down to 20, verse 20. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. This is because, you know, the world's going to be like, oh, Jesus died or, or he rose again. or You know, he didn't raise, but he's, he's just disappeared somewhere. And they're going to be happy, but you're going to grieve. Verse 21, a woman grieving. Giving birth to a, ch- a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away that joy. So he's saying, hey, he's saying to them, listen, I'll die. I'm going to be buried, raised again, and then nobody's going to see me again. They're going to be cool with that. You guys are going to be sad. But listen, I will come to you. And on the day of Pentecost, he came through the Holy Spirit. And from that, they had joy. And the Bible continues to teach us through this passage of Scripture that right here we are learning who is the comforter, who is the counselor, Who is the one that's going to be with us and take care of us and always be by our side? It is the Holy Spirit. So did Jesus lie in Matthew chapter 28 when he said, Lo, I'm with you unto the ends of the earth, and then go up to heaven in Acts chapter 1? Did he lie? No. What he was doing was keeping his word to us, just as he said he would, that he would go up to heaven to prepare a place for us and to send for us down here the Holy Ghost so that we could have all that he has and one day be up there with Him. Now let me encourage you today. That was the introduction. Are you ready for the lesson? Let me encourage you today. You're not alone. God is with you. Nothing you will ever face in life, you will face alone. God will always be there with you. And when you feel the weakest, that's when He'll be the strongest. I'm going to teach you some of those things today, but just listen to me before we get into the Word again. Here's a summary of the lesson right at the beginning. God is with us. When you feel your most sorrow, when you feel your most confusion, when you feel that things are the hardest in your life, God is there. And you don't have to wish. He's right there. And the Bible says He lives in you. 
And that's why, as he told his disciples in another place, where two or more are you gathered in my name, I am there with you. Because the Holy Spirit is there amongst the body of Christ, the church. Did you know that you can never face a battle alone ever again once you become a Christian? But what are the things that the devil tells us? We're alone. Nobody cares about us. Do you know that when these soldiers get captured, especially during World War II, you know what they would tell them? They would tell them, you're all alone. Your country has abandoned you. In Vietnam, they would take our soldiers, put them in water up to their waist, and put them in there for 24 hours at a time. And they would have speakers over the facility speaking English to them, brainwashing them. You are forgotten. America has failed you. And they would take video clips of the protesters spitting on Vietnam veterans' faces, and they would play it, and they would say, this is what your country thinks of you. Give up all your information now and become a communist. They have forsaken you. The Chinese government had such a strong form of communism and such a strong form of brainwashing that the captured spies and the people they had over there, when we got them back, it would take years in psychotherapy to bring them back home to their family because they were so convinced that communism was right. And where do you think the devil attacks you and I? Do you think the devil is going to come in church and attack you just during the time of worship? No. He is going to attack your mind in the biggest battles of your life when you know you're going through it, when the bills aren't paid, when things are going wrong at home. And the devil is going to come to you and say, God has forsaken you. He left in those clouds a long time ago and you are here by yourself. And then he'll point to you Christians that have failed you, leaders that have failed you, and he will say, there's no hope for you. You are hopeless. And you know what you need to do? You need to take them to the passages of Scripture that I'm about ready to share with you today. And you need to hide these passages of Scripture within your heart because you need to know you're never alone. Jesus said He'll never leave or forsake you. He will be with you to the end of the age. How? By the Holy Ghost. And He will comfort you. Come on, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Let's preach to somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 teaches us a wonderful revelation. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. What's our hope? Jesus is in heaven, bidding to us, speaking to the Father on our behalf. We are not like Moses, who had to put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Fading away. See, Moses was a mediator for Israel. But we have a better hope. Jesus is up there. It's good that He's up there, because He mediates to the Father for us. He says, but verse 14, but their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil is read when the old covenant is read, and it will not be removed because only in Christ Jesus is it taken away. Don't lose the context. Keep going here. Verse 15, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But look at verse 16. This gets me excited because I'm not a Jew who doubts who Jesus was. I know who he was. He is God in the flesh. He is now my mediator up in heaven. And so therefore it speaks to you and I. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, metamorphosized into His likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Come on somebody. 
You tell the devil there is no bondage, there is no prison cell you can put on me. There is no sickness or disease or trouble you can bring to me because I am free in the Lord, somebody. Free in the Lord, free in the Lord. Come on. You are free in the Lord. Freedom reigns in this place. Wherever God is, there is freedom. Do not let the devil lock you up, shack you up, and put you in a jailhouse and throw away the key. You slap him with the word and say, where the Lord is, there's freedom. And I know he's here right now. Shine through me, Jesus. Come to my rescue. We will never have a victory when we doubt our only rescue. He is the rescue. You can't doubt Him. You have to put your faith in Him. You see, it's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your faith. Oh, some of you all got to see what the battle is first. I'm already getting excited. Some of you all don't even know where the battle is. I told you it's for your mind and your faith. Go with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, let me get you the word for our fight right here because some of you might be visiting and you might not understand what's going on here. This is where your fight is at. Second Timothy chapter 2. Come on, starting in verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the reliable men who may be qualified to teach others. That's why we're teaching disciples to make disciples. Look at verse 3. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why are you here? A soldier of Jesus Christ. What are you fighting for? Go back to First Timothy now. You're a soldier. And what are you fighting for? Go to First Timothy chapter 3. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3 rather. Oh, Lord, help me preach this. It says, as I urged you when I went on to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, that you may be commanded certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These were controversies rather in God's work, which is by faith. So what's the point here? We need to know false doctrine because it will try to take you from the faith. But here's where it goes on. Keep going here. It says, these promote controversies rather than... Uh, God's work, which is by faith. Verse 5, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about so confidently. And what have they done? They have shipwrecked their faith. They've turned away from God. Show me that passage where it says they shipwrecked their faith, somebody. Is it back to 2 Timothy? I will hop all over this Bible and show it to you. Go back to 2 Timothy. Glory to God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Help me, Jesus. What you have heard of me keep as a pattern of good teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Sounds familiar. He was just saying that. Guard the good deposit which was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Ghost who lives in you. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. And including Phygelius and Harmonius. What is going on, my friends? You're fighting a fight of faith. You're a soldier. And there's people that are falling by the side right now. There are people right now who are giving up the fight. There are people who are turning over their soul to the devil and who are giving up. Go back to First Timothy. I don't know why today I'm going back from first to second like I'm playing ping pong, but help me, Lord. Go back to 118. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight of what? 
Faith. Holding on to faith in a good conscience. Some have rejected these shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenius, Alexander, whom I've handed over to you to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. That was extra for somebody in this place today. I had to show you that. I had to take a detour just for a moment to show you that. What are you fighting? You may not even know what the world you are fighting. You are fighting for your faith. You are a soldier in the army of the Lord. You need to endure sound teaching and doctrine. When you are out fighting, the devil wants to steal your faith. Now do you get it? Hymenius and Alexander, Phygelus, these men forsook the faith. The Bible says that they have shipwrecked their faith. When the devil comes to you in your mind, he comes like a flood. You need to call on the Comforter to raise up a standard and bring freedom. Glory to God. Let's continue with the message now. Now go back with me to 2 Corinthians. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Never forget that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at, look at these things that the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, these nuggets of truth. Look at chapter 1, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. How do we stand firm in Christ, people? How do we do it? Come on, somebody help the preacher preach this morning. How do we stand firm in Christ? Y'all ain't even looking at your Bible today. I must have lost you on the ping pong match with Timothy and 2 Timothy. Listen to the Scripture and help me preach this morning. It says right here in the passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand. Who is it that makes both you and us stand, friends? Who is it? It's God the Father. Is God the Son? Is God the Holy Ghost? Which one do you have with you right now? Well, which one is living in you? Which one right now am I preaching on? Praise the Lord. Now look at verse 22. If you didn't get it, now you got it. It says, He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. How do I know I'm going to heaven? I got the Holy Ghost, Shikaboomba. How do I know everything is going to be alright? Got the Holy Ghost. How can you stare sickness and trouble in the eye and say, You ain't so bad? I got Jesus on my side. Why? Because you got the Holy Ghost, your comforter. I had to throw that. Come on. You ain't got to sweat it. You know God's with you. Oh, but our mind will tell us everything else, won't it? Just like those soldiers sitting in those foxholes and those buildings in Kabul, those bullets will try to convince them of something else. But they know down deep inside that their daughter's waiting for them. That there's a different world waiting for them. That there's another place that they call home. And if they just keep fighting, they're going back there. And they can't give up. They need to keep fighting. And so God said, I'm going to go to heaven. But I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost. And what He's going to be is a deposit. You ever had to put down a deposit for something? People who have bought homes, what did you put that deposit down for? Because you knew you were coming back for it. 
You ever lost a deposit? Come on, that's a tragedy. Go and want to get a house, put $10,000 down. Maybe you lost your job. You come back and they say, we can't give you back that, back that deposit. I want you to think what Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. But I'm going to put a deposit in you that you will know that you know that you know I'm coming back for you. And it will guarantee that I'm with you always. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that that Holy Spirit is put in our hearts and it sets a seal of ownership on us. You put down that $10,000 on that house. You sign that, that, that uh, purchase. You sign that with the realtor. Somebody else comes along and says, Hey, I want this house. I want to buy this house. What does the realtor say? No, it belongs to another. Here is the deposit. It's the seal of ownership. The devil wants to come to you, bring sickness, disease, and tear apart your family. And Jesus says, no, devil, this one belongs to me. They have the Holy Ghost. This is my seal of ownership in their life. They can do all things because I'm living in them. Christ Jesus who lives in them. Greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world. The seal of ownership, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter is with us. Come on, would you believe it and say amen. Look at the Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Never forget that you are never alone. Chapter 5, verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. Who's made us for His very purpose? Now you all got helping to preach here. Amen. We're going to talk about God today, folks. Hello. Who is it that made us for a purpose? Who is it that made Ish for a purpose? Griselda and Eddie Berto for a purpose? God. But how is He working and doing that? Verse 5, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. But we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we make our goal to please Him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to Him for the things done in the body whether good or bad. Praise God. No matter what you're going through right now, you can trust that God is in you working out His plan. Working out His plan for your life. Working out His purpose for your life. You see, you and I want our lives to be the ladders of success, don't we? Step one, I go to high school. Step two, I go to college. Step three, I graduate and get a good job. Step four, I find a husband or a wife. Step five, we get a nice family. This, that, you know, and it goes on and on and on. That's the ladder of success. God forbid if we ever break a step or come back down one. Come on. Oh, I didn't do so well in college. Or, or I'm struggling with this marriage. Or, or, or the child that I had that was supposed to be that bundle of joy is now creating some problems in my life. Help me, Jesus. I'm supposed to be up there on step seven. And I'm back here on step negative 30. Did God forsake us? Even when Christians make mistakes, because we've made them all, come on, we've all made mistakes. Does He forsake us? Turn with me to Romans chapter 9. No, He never forsake us. Why? Because He's working out all things for His good, my friends. He's doing it for His purpose, for His glory. 
Look at uh, Romans chapter 8, rather, starting in verse 28, moving up to verse 26 a little bit, give you some context for the preaching. In the same way, 826 of Romans, the Spirit, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Who helps us in our weakness? I wish I had all day to preach about the Spirit. Can you all just say amen if you believe this? You've got to read your Bible today and get some information by yourself when you go home on the Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. You ever felt weak? You didn't know what to pray? You felt like you were all alone? You feel like you're that soldier with gun bullets going everywhere? But you can feel that little Lego toy against your chest? You feel the Holy Ghost is with you? I'm going to tell you something. There's still hope for you. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. The devil wants to say you're hopeless. You're all alone. He tried to tell me that when I stopped working in a ministry five years ago, didn't he? Mom and Dad, he tried to tell me, Hi, Joe, you're all alone. You're a failure. You're never going to make it. But right here was the Spirit of God. And He helps us in our weakness, as the Bible says. He says He intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. Verse 27, And He who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You don't even know how to pray for yourself. You don't even know how to utter the words. But God is inside of you, interceding for you. And Jesus Here's the groans of the Spirit and comes to your rescue. Therefore, we got verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. How do I know God is working good in your life and in my life? Because there's the Holy Ghost in us, working in our weaknesses. Telling us, don't give up. Don't give up. You're on the brink of a miracle. Praise Him. Praise Him. Get on your knees. Fast. Grab a prayer, buddy. The Holy Ghost on the inside of you says, read this Word. Be encouraged. Encourage yourself. And the Holy Ghost is saying, you can make it. You can make it. Glory to God, He says, because I'm with you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He called. And those He called, He justified. And those He justified, He glorified. He's done it all, my friends. He saved you. He's justified you. He's going to glorify you in the end with a new resurrected body. It's all about Him and never forget it. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? I got a spirit in me that when I'm weak, he's strong. I got a spirit in me that when I don't know how to pray, he's praying through me. And then I got a God that says he knew everything from the beginning and the end. And he's got it worked out for his glory and for my benefit. What shall I say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Nothing can separate us. Come on from the love of God. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And where are all those things coming from? From the Father to the Son to the Holy Ghost to you. Come on. Hallelujah. For who God has chosen, he has justified. Who is it condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that. Verse 35. Or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? All the things you are going to face in life are going to be listed right here. They're going to be listed right here. You listen to this preacher right now. Everything you and I face on this earth and from the devil and our own flesh and people who act like the devil is right here. And he's going to tell you nothing, 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 nothing can separate you. It says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35, shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. As it is written, you will feel like this sometime in your life. We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to slaughter. You ever feel that way? You're just a sheep to slaughter. Come on, sometimes you may feel that way. Verse 37, no, 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 no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers nor the height nor the depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And where the Lord is, there is His Spirit where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Woo! Come on, shout. Hallelujah. Shout if you got the victory one more time. Hallelujah. Woo! He did not leave us with some lucky charm, some picture. He left us with Himself, the Holy Ghost. That's how you and I can go through every trouble and smile in the face of it. Bible says rejoice when your faith is tested. Rejoice when you suffer. Why? Because God is moving through your weakness. Oh, go back to 2 Corinthians. Help me, Jesus. Paul understood this lesson that when he was weak, God was strong. You see, when you're strong, you take all the credit. When you're strong, you take all the glory. How did you get that raise? Because of your hard work. How is your family holding together? Because you pulled it together. No, no, see, that's not how God's going to get His glory. God's going to allow every attack from the devil to come against you like it did with Job. Just to show that after you take a licking, you can keep on ticking, baby. Because He wants to show it's not humanly possible to go through what you went through and come out on the other side blessed. But it is possible with God. And when He does it in your life, He puts His foot on the devil and He says, Take that, I'm still stronger than you. You see, God shows His glory and His power in His people through delivering them through their troubles. Oh, we would like it another way, I know. We would like victory, victory, victory. Never suffer a defeat. Never feel weak. Never feel like there's a trouble in our life. But that's not how God called us to live. He says you've got to come to the end of yourself. You've got to see the failure in yourself. You've got to see the weakness in yourself. You've got to see the failures and weaknesses of other people around you. You've got to see the failure and weaknesses of economies and governments. There's no other hope for you except for God. Who am I in heaven but Him? And on this earth I desire no one but you, O God. That's what David said. Look at Second Corinthians 
Paul is talking about looking at the end of the chapter, uh, end of the book, chapter 12. Paul is talking about these troubles he's going through, having a thorn put in his flesh because he's had visions and revelations and, and he's having struggles with all of these things that are going on. He should be blessed. He should be just feeling happy, but he feels a weakness in his flesh. To keep on the look at verse 7. Why did he get this thorn in the flesh? To keep me from becoming conceited. To cause of surpassing, because of the surpassing great revelations. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. How many have felt you have had a thorn in your flesh before? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You've had something in your life that just humbled you. It just brought you to your knees. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was somebody in your life. Maybe it was a hurtful thing of the past. And that thorn, just everywhere you went, you felt it. Everywhere you go, you could feel it. There was nothing you could do to relieve that pain. It was on you. It was in you. It was a part of you. It was a thorn. And what did it do? It exposed your weakness. And what does the devil then want to do? He wants to say, see, 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 you're weak and God is not with you. That's why you have a thorn. Now give up. Suicide is one of the biggest slaps in the face towards God because it says, God, you're not bigger than my problems. I have to end it all. Isn't that what suicide says? God, you're not bigger than what I'm facing. I have to take my life and and just end it because there's no hope. That's a lie from the pit of hell. What is depression? Depression is saying that since I can't figure it out, there's no hope. So give me some serotonin. Give me some some medication to make me feel happy even though I'm not happy. That's not the answer, my friends. Those thorn in the flesh may come to you. But let me give you the answer. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But this is what he said. See, some situations just don't disappear from your life. The economy may not just get better. Persecution didn't just leave the early church because they were suffering a little bit. But this is the promise that he gives every person. Every person that's ever had a thorn. He says, my grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For me. My power is made perfect in weakness. I'm feeling weak, Pastor. I feel like giving up. Are you ready for some perfect power to start flowing through you? you on the brink of a miracle. How do I know? Because you're feeling weak. You're coming to the end of yourself. The Bible says you have to be like a child to receive from Him anyway. You are coming to God prideful and cocky. God, I'll do all this and you just make up that little bit I can't get. God, I'll work my job, take care of my family. I'll handle 90%. God, you take 10. God, let's that 90% slap you on the floor, push your face on the ground. You cry out, help. And he says, that's what I've been waiting for. Because my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. When you're brought low, I'm lifted up. I said, when he he sees your life brought low, he's lifted up. When we realize that God is bigger than us, we can make it through anything. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weakness. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Oh, now you're about ready to hear something crazy right now. You ready for something crazy out the Bible? This is going to just flip the noggins, you know, stir the noodle, however that goes. Listen, it ain't going to sound right to you right here. But Paul got it so together. See, See, what's upside down is right side up for God. What's backwards for us is front for God. Are you listening? What's upside down is right side up. Are you all getting this? What is down is up and down, and up is down in the kingdom. He says, those who want to be first, you got to be last. He says, those who want to be great, you got to be a servant to everybody else. 
He says, you want to see people saved? Lift me up. Now listen to this. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. (laughs) I delight. I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Paul, are you nuts? We don't delight in those things. I delight on payday. I delight in, in, in winning the lottery. We delight in eating lots of food. We delight when everything is happy at Six Flags. Right? That, that's when we delight. That's when we're giggling. <laughs> he says, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecution and difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul learned to rely on his comforter. Paul learned to rely on the Holy Ghost. And he knew that, you know what? I can't do it anyway. So why try to walk around here like I'm Mr. Big Shot? I'm Mr. Big Britches. Why not just get used to being on my knees? Because when I get on my knees and admit my weakness, that's when I see God move. And I want to encourage you today. You don't have to stare the devil in his face and all the troubles in your face and say, I'm bigger than you. Just get on your knees and call upon the God who is. Admit your weakness to God, not the devil. Don't go to the devil when he says, you're nothing. Yeah, you're right, I'm nothing. You'll never make it. Yeah, I'll never. No, go on your knees and say, God, I know I can't. I know I don't have an answer for my family. I know I don't have an answer for the sickness. But God, I know that lo, you're with me always, even unto the end of the age. And where you are, there is freedom. And I'm more than a conqueror. Therefore, Lord, I rejoice in you and declare your word. Come to my rescue. Be great in me, God. See, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who can say, God, be great in me. He's not looking for great people to do great things for Him. He's looking for humble, weak people like you and I who He can be great in. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Oh, somebody say, my comforter. Make it personal today. Say, my comforter. Rachel, would you come, please? Those men hold on to things for comfort while they're in battle. But we got the Holy Ghost holding on to us. Wrapping us in His arms. Telling us it's going to be alright. Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't hear nothing? Except the pain, the trouble, and the trial. You ever been there in the mind just going crazy? But God come through and say, you're going to be alright. You see, those moments is what Paul is saying, I rejoice in. See, this is an encouraging message today. To know that you are in a battle and that you can't get out of it without being defeated. So you can't say, well, pastor, I'm just not going to fight. No, you're going to get defeated. You'll be shipwrecked. You only got one option. That's to get to the other side. That's to keep fighting. Those soldiers don't say, well, you know, I miss my mom and dad. I'm just going to quit. They have to keep fighting. And they hold on to what they have. We want to pray for them today since that came to our heart. But the only hope we really have is Jesus. Look at John chapter 14. In closing today, 
This is this planet here, that place you live at, this is not your home. It's not your home, people. You are here in a battle. Have you got that yet? Come on, somebody. I can just watch little Bethany experiencing that. And it's hard. Watching my baby experience pain for the first time. Yeah, that's life. You want to experience that. What's it going to be like when I watch her for the first time, have somebody lie on her, talk about her at school, break my heart? That's right, baby. Not everybody's going to love you here. Not everybody's going to be nice to you. What am I going to do like she has a cold now? She gets sick again, chicken pox or whatever. That's right, baby. People get sick here. What am I going to do when I take her to the, her first funeral? Why isn't so-and-so with us anymore? People die here. You know what I'm going to teach her? Listen, Bethany. This place where you live, this place where we eat, where we hang out, this is not really our home. Because there was a Savior that came down for us 2,000 years ago. And He bled and died on a cross for us. And He told His disciples, which we are, that He was going to prepare a place for us. And He's going to come back one day. How do I know, Daddy? That's not make-believe. Because you ask Him for the Holy Spirit. And He'll give it to you as a deposit right now. He'll give you a new birth. You'll be born of the Spirit. And you'll know you are a citizen up there. That's what I'm going to teach you. And I want to teach everybody here that today. You are a citizen up there if you are born again. And let these words comfort you as they comfort me, preaching to my own self today. Chapter 14 of John 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Oh, there's going to be a lot of things in life to trouble you. And take heed when you think you stand lest you fall. Because my family, my wife and I, we have sat in services just like this going, man, that was a cute message. That was for somebody else. And then the next day, all hell break loose in my life. Listen to me. If you're standing here right now and you're saying, man, I'm so glad he preached that because I know so-and-so need that. Listen to me. One day you're going to hold on to this as a life jacket because you ain't going to have nothing else in the storm. Listen to me. You will face a time in your life where you are troubled. Trouble will come at your door. One day you will face it. Mark my words. On that day your heart will want to faint. Your heart will want to faint. But you will remember these words. Do not let. Do not let it happen to your hearts. Don't let them be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's what Jesus said. In my Father's house are many rooms... If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you sent the Son And Father and Son, I thank You today that You sent the Holy Ghost. And I thank You, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that You're preparing us 
and preparing a place where we will be for eternity. And I pray in this house today that we might know you more.